Crypto curious, keep an open mind, enjoy the conversation, and stay cryptocurrent. Now, here's your host, Richard Carthon. Today's podcast is brought to you by Planetarium. Power your games with freedom. Planetarium is an open source gaming platform set to transform longevity and profit model of games. Rather than simply introducing open source model into games, they intend to make the games run forever through peer-to-peer networks and pioneer a new form of community-powered games. For more information, go to planetariumhq.com. Again, that's planetariumhq.com. And now for today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Cryptocurrent. Your host here, Richard Carthon. And today I have a special guest all the way out in South Korea working on a really cool gaming blockchain project that you need to be paying more attention to because they have a lot of really cool stuff in the pipeline. We have Kijin, who is with Planetarium. How are you doing today? Hey, great. Thank you, Richard, for inviting me. Of course. Happy to have you here. Before we learn more about all the amazing things at Planetarium, first want to learn more about you. Can you give us a little bit of background on yourself? I'm Kijun So, CEO of Planetarium, which is developing technology and content for decentralized gaming. The background, you know, we, we started all off as a internet gamer, you know, early 1995, 1996, when I was dialing into, you know, online games with a modem and yeah, playing a bunch of playing a bunch of games. But I, I never thought I would be working on a you know, video game company myself. I graduated from Caltech as a, you know, the Big Bang Theory School, majoring in computer science. Uh, did a bunch of like internet projects. Actually, my first company was at Nexon, which is the number one game company in South Korea. I was working on like mobile games at the time, and then you know, moving on, I worked at Dropbox for a couple of years, doing engineering projects uh, with it and real-time engineering projects in the cycle. I took a few years off, uh, did a bunch of random projects like indie games, a lot of uh, projects related to art, and then yeah, coming full circle, I started Planetarium back in uh, 2018, and we've been going on for quite some time. <laughs> right. No, that's awesome, man. And as you started to go through your process of like working at the various elements in, in, in stages of your life, you always knew that you wanted to be in gaming. But what was that first intersection into crypto? How did you first learn about it? And how did you learn like, wow, I can bring this passion of crypto into gaming? Yeah, it's it's really funny because I was actually I met crypto when I was actually taking some years off and I never really thought about starting a company or doing you know, something in the crypto scene. I mean, I, obviously I've known about Bitcoin and Ethereum actually. So after working at Dropbox, I had close friends actually working on Ethereum even since like 2015 and 2016. You know, they've always told me to get into it, but I was like, I want to work on like creative projects and, you know, personal projects and you're getting involved with a, another organization didn't seem uh, something that I was interested in. But in 2018, uh, a friend of mine was working on an open source game project based on his own homegrown blockchain. And the, I think the idea of open source online game, just like put it together, you know, like it was very compelling to me because as a software engineer, I knew the power of open source projects, but then none of the commercial projects are really open source or something that you can 
hack easily on. So especially the online games, you know, like you play a game on your mobile phone and you can't change anything about that. But being able to build a game as open source and, uh, you know, are you able to hack on it kind of like uh, you're hacking on Ethereum network or whatever. So, so that seemed really interesting. So I started, you know, helping out a little bit of time. And then this like really quickly, you know, seven or eight people joined and started becoming a company very quickly. So I took over as a CEO, uh, I've had some startup experience before. So we built the team and yeah, here, here we are. We're currently about 30, 30 plus people and with a internal game studio and also a tech team. So this is really, yeah, I would never really imagined something like this. This is awesome. And to be in this space at this time, I think is super crucial. I mean, for everyone that's been listening on the show, you know, multiple guests have said crypto gaming is something you'd be looking out to and paying attention to. And this is that moment to where you can kind of get an inside look at what's going on and why you should be paying attention to this. Really quickly, you, you brought up open source internet gaming. Can you explain a little bit of what that means in a couple of examples? For example, you look at World of Warcraft, right? It's a city with, you know, it used to have you know, 13 million people dialing in. I say dialing in. I don't know why I say dialing. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, like 13 million people playing every month. And, you know, it, it used to, it, it's like an entire city, city scale. But as a player, what can you do about the infrastructure of World of Warcraft? Or can you change any balances? Or can you actually make meaningful contribution that actually change, up, upgrades the game? What's interesting is there was a phase in World of Warcraft where uh, Blizzard decided to bring cataclysm by you know, changing the old worlds uh, and actually you know, changing the entire map into a new map. And people, some people just wanted to stay in the old world you know, with the old scheme and decide, hey, you know, like Blizzard is always moving on, uh, you know, changing content that we used to love. So can we actually get together and make a, you know, actually re-engineer the World of Warcraft server into a private server so that like, we can play with our friends? And that community, which was called Nostalrius, grew to a million people, like a million users, which is, I mean, obviously not good for Blizzard's business, right? So they sued the server and shut it down. But I think there's a very interesting demand where, you know, in online games, people tend to self-organize, but then, you know, most games are centralized in that, you know, the game company owns the server, owns the code, owns the content, owns the asset. Your account inside World of Warcraft is actually not yours. You know, it's like you sign the EULA when you first begin. So when we think of digital ownership and when we think of the content and data that we're creating on the network, none of this is actually ours. And I think when you look at game, online games especially, it's a community of people connecting. Uh, and it, it, as a virtual community, we wanted to make sure that the infrastructure could also belong to the community. So it's not, the, so the Nine Chronicles, which is a game that we're creating, is fully open source, you know, it's been open for about a year, year and a half. We develop and open source everything that we do so players can take it and even, you know, fork the network, make their own version of Nine Chronicles, whatever. We think it's really important to the virtual community of, you know, we, we have about 30,000 users on our Discord and, uh, you know, like that community is very, very active and passionate because they know that this code and the data actually belongs to them, not to like us. So that's, really good way to build relationship with your new users. No, that's great. And I think that's a really good illustration of open source and why open source and gaming is, is really big. So to kind of just play it back to you. So you think about like a world of Warcraft, they have this map, they had a pretty set and standard and you don't really own anything. And if you want to make a change, there's not a whole lot you can do about it. You're kind of at their mercy. 
Whereas with open source and the game and what y'all are building at Planetarium and other places like it, you're giving ownership to your community and to people who want to come and build on it and can have their own iterations and be providing value to this platform that ultimately you're making. You're giving them the keys to the kingdom, if you will, that they can choose to use however they want or build upon however they want. Right, right. Absolutely. And I think that's, you know, open source gaming could exist before blockchain. Obviously, like you can just open source the code. But I think the biggest change is that now the data itself is open source. Before, you know, the data is saved on the server. So, you know, someone needs to monetize from that because obviously, you know, how do you keep the cost running? But it's, it's very different now. Like people are, you know, we, we have like 2,000 nodes, 2,000, 3,000 nodes running on a given day. And that's because they want to play. And that, that's because some, some people want to like mine the token. And you know, it, it's all voluntary. We don't like ask people to run the infrastructure. No, that's awesome. And they're, they're, they're building infrastructure. And for the newbies out there building out the nodes and, and why that's important, and you're helping to build out the platform and infrastructure and showing the value of wanting to be on Planetarium. On that, I know that you have a game, I believe, that y'all are launching right now or has launched and is doing pretty well. Do you want to spend some time talking about that? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, put everything into context. Planetarium is creating core technology for decentralized games, open source decentralized games. And we also build and incubate content. I think the technology itself is a way so you can take our technology. It's called LibPlanet. You can take it and then make your own blockchain network specialized for your game. That's like a blockchain SDK that we give out so that game companies and developers can build their own network. Not like, you know, put their network on Ethereum, but be able to actually make a protocol that actually suits their game. So that's our uh, technology side. But yeah, Nine Chronicles is um, our first game. It's made from in-house since uh, 2019. And it's idle RPG game where you go into multiple worlds inside Nine Chronicles and you defeat stages to collect ingredients. And with those ingredients, you can actually forge NFTs, items um, such as like armors or gears, and you can equip them to face better foes. There's a PvP element where you can play and earn with people that people inside Nine Chronicles. And I think what's interesting is player-wise, we have about 35,000 users, 35, 40,000 users. And, you know, they're very, very active. Uh, when I, and uh, I think what's interesting is that, you know, we don't run any servers on this, which is at this phase, I, I would like to ask the community, uh, especially the gaming community, blockchain gaming community, to, to start thinking of, you know, fully actually decentralizing their games as opposed to just putting the NFTs on the network because, you know, it, like in this way, for example, Nine Chronicles can actually function perpetually even without us running the background uh, servers and software. So I think it's difficult to make things fully decentralized and we're showcasing through Nine Chronicles that it is playable. Also, you know, our, as our partners, like Ubisoft, one of the biggest game companies in the world, is also a partner with us running node infrastructure. Uh, on, That's awesome. You know, their, yeah, yeah it, it's been kind of crazy. And you know, Animoca recently also invested. Animoca is also investor and pioneer behind Sand, the Sandbox and Axie Infinity. And, you know, it's been great to work with them. So, big names. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, it's crazy because if you told me that these big names would be interested in like open source gaming back in 2018, I'd be like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> and it's come full circle. But, but to your point, they're seeing the future and the future is and always has been gaming for a lot of people because you talked about the community that comes out and how ferocious and like amazing these people are just absolutely enamored with the worlds that they become a part of. 
knowing that people like the ability to have more ownership in building out those infrastructures, because you look at the model like a World of Warcraft, it's been around for decades. And what is keeping the people around is that that community that they've been able to build. The But now you're able to take something like that and be able to go interoperability and be able to have these NFTs from one game and be able to bring it to another and bring it up over to another. And that is so much value that just hasn't existed. And so if you can be at the forefront of creating that for people, I think this is what we're looking at as we go into the next phase of the world of gaming. You look at the last decade of gaming and how far we've come. I think we're still at the beginning phases of blockchain gaming, but where do you think it's headed as we look into the next decade? We all know there's a race to acquire more Bitcoin. Why not earn more with what you already have? With Tantra Labs app, you can put your Bitcoin to work with up to 12% interest backed in Bitcoin per year, currently the highest interest rate in the industry. So how does it all work? First, go to tantralabs.io and follow the steps to sign up. Second, after approval, deposit as much or as little as you like. Third, sit back and watch your Bitcoin work for you at 12% interest back per year. Lock in your 12% now by signing up at tantralabs.io or you can click on the link in our show notes and on our website. Yeah, I mean, I think it's right now, I think we're in a really interesting transition phase where studios start to work differently with their users. It's not users anymore. It's like community and actual creators inside the ecosystem. And you're not really building like a content that people can consume, but uh, you're building something, you're building something composable that other people can take and build something on. From the macro perspective, if there was like one company that could work on DeFi applications and Ethereum itself was like a black box sealed, like none of this thing would happen, but we can do things. We can do really creative things because ERC20 can be like, you can do stuff with it. It's composable, programmable, and anybody can put their ideas in there. So I think I, I look at projects like Loot Project, for example, where, you know, it's like really simple metadata. Like you, you open up a loot box and, you know, you get like sword plus two. What does that even mean? But then like you actually do stuff with it. And I think us being able to provide utility based on really simple abstract data is like what's bringing the revolution into NFT. I think, uh, you know, as a company, we want to make sure that like code and everything can be something that people can play with. And that's, yeah, we're, we're also really interested in incubating content other, uh, with other studios and other models that really want to make sure that, yeah, the gaming stays an open place. Yeah, that's a really interesting concept. And just to spend a little bit more time on that. So if someone owned a loot and all of a sudden they want to come on uh, one of Planetarium's systems, one of the games, would they be able to take that NFT and be able to play with it? Or is the idea to be able to create a system or a platform where anyone can create some sort of coded language NFT and then be able to bring it into one of your games? Oh, yeah. I mean... It's a little bit far off in the future. Let's say, you know, someone said, hey, I want to use a loot sword and in, inside the game and build some module to support that. Then the community can decide, hey, like, hey, maybe we want to integrate loot into Nine Chronicles. So what's interesting is that, you know, as a game, you need to think about balance in some way. So for example, like Nine Chronicles is a fantasy-based game. Like, is it okay if you bring a car into Nine Chronicles? 
I mean, that, that's for the community to decide, I think. And what's interesting is that you can make a decision to say, hey, like, let's give more points to people who have loot inside their like Ethereum, like MetaMask wallet, because we will be able to actually cross share users between them. And I think, uh, you know, that's very practical way to try things. And yeah, definitely, I can see some of this happening with the games that we're developing and incubating. But you just bring, you just brought up another interesting concept. And like, I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole. But it's a really <laughs> interesting idea of you, you build a particular game, a, a fantasy game. And now all of a sudden, you know, someone wants to bring in a spaceship or someone wants to bring in a monkey sword or something like that, that has nothing to do with the game at all. Like, do, do you allow it? Uh, do you let the community decide like, hey, do y'all want this here? Like, that's a really interesting concept. Yeah, I want to dive a little bit into it if you're interested, because um, the idea of forkable gaming is a really interesting idea for us. So for example, you know, like Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, um, Bitcoin SP, I mean, they, they all have different ideologies of some sort, right? I think what's interesting for us is, so for example, let's say someone wants to bring a spaceship and maybe 30% of users want to, and about 70% don't want to, then the 30% can say, hey, like, maybe we'll just fork the network and start Nine Chronicles with spaceship. You can't do that with in previous gaming, but you can totally do that with online games. And I think that is actually, you know, like history of, for example, like if you're familiar with the history of Dota and League of Legends, it started out with actually a StarCraft map, but someone took it and then said, hey, like I want to fork this and make something new on top of it and add new characters. And they didn't even get permission to do this. They just did it because they, they just started. did it. And then when a, a map editor would look at some other map and say, hey, like that version of Dota has that character and it looks kind of cool. I want to bring that in, bring that mechanics in. So you have this like evolutionary mo uh, motion where like eat a lot of creativity is happening all at the same time. And people are like stealing and borrowing, uh, you know, the best ideas from each other. And I think like five years later, you have like the Dota and League of Legends that we know of. And so I think that type of evolutionary um, content is something, yeah, we, we'd love to, I don't know if we quite have it with Nine Chronicles yet, but we definitely want to get there uh, as our company mission. Man, that is exciting. Like the concept of, be able to fork a game and just, you know, create your own element of it, take basically what's already there, fork it off, and then be able to add new elements to to it. Because eventually you get to a point where communities start and make more and more iterations within your own platform that you can then go and take and, and like find, like, let's say like eventually you, you get to this one fork and like people, yeah, you have your original game, but then this one fork and it just explodes, right? It's still on your platform. So that's awesome. Yeah, I think that could be really exciting uh, feature for sure. Awesome, man. So I know you got the that game under wraps and it's it's going pretty well. As you look at other things that are coming to Planetarium, are there any other types of games that are in the pipeline or, or things that are coming to the to the platform soon that you think other people should know about? Yeah, I mean, we've been focusing on Nine Chronicles because we wanted to make sure that it you know could sustain users and have a have a safe market cap, make sure that it has a compelling user case. Because building decentralized game is not easy. And we wanted to show studio that there's a very compelling case for it. And then so right now we are actively incubating two two different projects. It's in the earlier stages where we're still trying to figure out where we want to take this because we are also demanding 
you know, existing studio developers that, hey, like this needs to be a community first game as opposed to something in the old model where, you know, the, the company operates everything and owns everything. So I think we're in the sketching stages because I think Nine Chronicles has, you know, just proved that, you know, our technology is, you know, ready to be used by more studios. So, you know, we're, we're having... We're actually, instead of saying, hey, like, here's the game, we're trying to onboard as many studios as possible. We want to be pretty selective because we definitely want to pay attention to each studio and each game design and make sure that the decentralized, I guess, vision is not just a ploy for getting attention from investors, whatever. We're focusing on, yeah, several projects, but also trying to build relationship with even larger larger studios so that eventually they can onboard and start thinking about decentralized gaming and also GameFi. It's awesome. You're, you're ultimately building the ecosystem of gaming. And it actually brings me to my next question that I think is really relevant to what's going on right now. So to two different audiences right now. So if you're a hardcore gamer like myself, I enjoy playing <laughs> video games and you also have your game developers, developers who are looking to build games and do that. How would you pitch this to myself and to a potential game developer of why they need to be paying attention to blockchain games and need to start getting involved sooner than later? From my perspective, GameFi is going to change things. GameFi is really going to change things. And I, you know, I, we, we feel it deeply because we've had our Nine Chronicles had, it had its token since last year when you know, having a fungible token for a game was not fashionable at all. <laughs> you know, people are like, why, why should this have any mark? I mean, and then now we see stuff like Star Atlas or obviously Axie Infinity and projects like that. The reason is MMO designers of old, online game designers of old would make some simulations, but base their numbers based on some, some, some like abstract ideas of how the economy should work. But now games are learning directly from DeFi and they're like, oh man, this is how supply and demand should be structured. This is how, you know, an item actually proves its worth. With NFTs and with DeFi, we've been learning all about how abstract data can have value. And game is all about that. So I think like before you gain a really unique item in Diablo 2, you know, you're like, wow, this is so cool. And maybe you can trade it for a couple like, Storm Jordans, uh, I mean, this is like for old time gamers, but now, man, it's very, very different. Like when you gain something very unique in a block, uh, you know, in a blockchain game world, it hits you differently. Not only because it's like caught, you know, it's expensive or whatever. I don't, I, I'm not even, you know, concerned about the prices being into it, but you know, it, like when you understand and when you feel the thrill coming from owning a CryptoPunk or owning like owning an ape, then it, it hits you in a pretty different way uh, than, you know, in previous gaming. Uh, and I think that when, you know, you have these like really impactful assets going inside the game and being, you know, traded and being in the crossroads where people connect. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like a visceral feeling that, you know, can't, it's very hard to replicate it in previous versions of online games, I think. No, that's great. And I really think that, that sentiment is, is real and people are feeling it. And that's why if you look at a lot of the newest projects that are emerging in crypto gaming is exploding, they're doing very well. And it's because people are seeing the true value of these ecosystems and the value that they bring to not only the community, but to the greater ecosystem. Because you're, you're building blockchains and you're building ways for interoperability in a lot of ways that a lot of other companies haven't been able to figure out just yet. And I think that's really cool. And I think it's very necessary as we move this 
entire market and ecosystem forward. And so I think it's really awesome. I think what y'all are doing is incredible. But as we wrap up here, man, I always like to finish with two fun questions. First being, with all the information you have right now, if you go impart one or two pieces of wisdom to yourself when you first got it started in the crypto blockchain space, in the gaming space, what would you tell yourself? I think, you know, being honest about what your team is good at and, you know, making sure that that value resonates with your audience is very important because I think a lot of NFT projects or a lot of blockchain game projects coming up are just kind of like chasing the value. You know, like if you are now trying to do play to earn, like how are you going to beat Axie Infinity or how are you going to be like, are you, do you want to be labeled even as a next Axie Infinity or whatever? I mean, it might be good for your project. You know, like I think people, the, the reason why people invest into certain projects is because it has its core value and it resonates with them deeply, even Doge, right? Like it's a meme coin, but I think that in itself has carries value and very, has a very compelling viral value inside the people who are, you know, living in uh, tens of thousands of crypto projects coming out every day. So, you know, like I think really identifying like how you are unique and actually making that as a viral message is probably something that we have focused on, but we could have focused on even better and we could have talked about even better. And, you know, I recommend with all the uh, new blockchain projects coming out, like figure out your identity and be able to build a message around that. Yeah. That's a great thought. I mean, and that goes with any and all business and just even as you, I mean, dude, that's so relevant. Just brand identity, understanding your voice and understanding what is the actual goal of what you're trying to accomplish and building around that from bottom up. A lot of people kind of go on with the vision of here's the exciting thing, but don't necessarily look at how do you build the infrastructure and get people to buy into it. And so I think that is a really, really good thought there. But man, as we wrap up here, you've given us a lot to think about and a lot of good nuggets. What is the final thought that you want to leave with all of the listeners here today? I think jobs, traditional jobs might become obsolete or like you can have a lot of upside by working on crypto, but not, not just like as an employee, but you could be, for example, like if you're a coder or a programmer, you can be like working for five different blockchain games and not, not just like playing games to earn, but you know, you could be working for multiple projects. You can be incubating, you can be investing multiple things at the same time which I think is a really interesting way to engage their creative economy. So like if you're just watching, try to get, you know, try to spend some time to get involved with projects that you fancy. I think people are always looking for, um, you know, creative people to join in and bring some kind of value in any way that can We Obviously, you know, if you are interested in more, more interested in Nine Chronicles, we'd be happy to like onboard and discuss the things we could be working uh, together on. But yeah, yeah, I think it's going to be a really interesting time for the next, you know, 10, 20 years where people get involved in multiple projects and start living in a, uh, I don't want to say like more of a decentralized universe type of way. But yeah, I think there's a lot of really interesting opportunities out there. I agree. And I think that's a fantastic final thought, especially around the concept of just taking action. Uh, one of the things that we, I like to bring up at the end of the day as we wrap up here is for our listeners, if something resonated with you today, whether it's going and, and playing the game or figuring out how you can become part of, of a really engaged community or just figuring out what other kind of career where you can go and literally work with three or four or five different companies. And it's completely okay. And you're doing what you love and like you're getting paid for it. Like, and then you can take some of that investment and invest yeah. in other things that you think could work. Like that's, 
compound interest as equity. Like, man, that's, that's wealth creation right there. That's awesome. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so again, I think that's a fantastic final thought. I really appreciate your time with us today. What are ways that people can connect with you and learn more about everything going on at Planetarium? You know, I, I think the best place is our Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash Nine We have a huge Discord community with uh, over 30,000 people. And so that's one way to get involved. Yeah, yeah. Check, check out the game and check out, you know, search for Nine Chronicles. Uh, I think we have a really good article on VentureBeat about the recent fundraising announcement, but also talking about our decentralized version of uh, Vision of Gaming. So yeah, check those out. And yeah, thanks for, thanks for listening. Of course. Well, everyone, make sure you go check out Nine Chronicles. Again, Kaijin, I really appreciate your time today. And for everyone listening, stay Cryptocurrent. Hey, Cryptocurrent crew. We want to give a quick shout out to all of our faithful listeners out there. It's been an amazing journey, and we really appreciate your support throughout the years as we've been growing as a community. Each episode, we decided that we would start sharing some of the reviews that you were leaving for us. For today, we would like to share this review. Today's review comes from A. Bryant 41. You can tell that Richard has a passion for connecting the unknown to the listener. He makes crypto a lot easier to comprehend. It's one thing to know what crypto is, but to understand is what the podcast has helped me to do. Love it. We sincerely appreciate this review and all reviews and would like to ask that if you're enjoying our show, please take a quick moment to go and leave a review on our podcast so that hopefully we can be highlighting your review next. Simply go to our show notes or go to our website where we have a link where you can share your review today. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information on today's episode and all of our episodes, please visit us at www.crypto-current.co. You can also find a link in the show notes. Want to stay up to date in the latest news in cryptocurrency? Sign up for our newsletter today. You'll receive daily emails Monday through Friday that are personalized and curated content specific to you and your interest, powered by artificial intelligence. You can either go to our show notes or go to our website to sign up today. Are you an accredited investor looking to invest in cryptocurrency? Crescent City Capital can help. Go to crescentcitycapital.com for more information. I don't know if you've noticed, but the quality of our podcast each week are improving. I can only thank my amazing producer, Andrew DeRitter with DeRitter Productions, who has been putting all of this together. If you have any podcast, music, or audio needs, please go to DeRitterProductions.com. That's D-E-R-I-T-T-E-R Productions.com. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Cryptocurrent with Richard Carthon. We'll be back with more exciting developments from the world of blockchain and cryptocurrency next week. But until then, stay cryptocurrent. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cryptocurrent. Just one quick reminder. Cryptocurrent is a cryptocurrency and blockchain education platform that's bridging the gap between the curious newcomers who are just discovering the space and the thought leaders who are shaping its future. All opinions expressed by Richard Carthon, the Cryptocurrent team, and their guests on this show are exclusively their own opinions. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Richard, the team, and their guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow his financial advice. This show and any other cryptocurrent production is exclusively for informational purposes.